There was a autumn fest yesterday. So if you were there, you would have saw that Israel was Israel. He's teaching. He and Israel won the lumberjack contest. So, all right. Well, that went over well. <laughs> Join with me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you that we can come into your presence with uh, worship and praise. Uh, and that you've given us your word to teach us and to lead us and to direct us. And so we submit ourselves to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> We're speaking on being filled and uh, taking this month uh, to look at uh, biblical uh, references to being filled, what it means, what we're to be filled with. And today I'm going to be speaking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and what that means, what that looks like. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the manifestations of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the uh, the ways the Holy Spirit is expressed and talk a little more about uh, speaking in tongues and other things that accompany the Holy Spirit. It seems really loud. Could you turn the monitors all the way down? <clears throat> and uh, there we go. That's better. So let's begin with Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And this is in the New Testament. This is Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples. Acts chapter 1, 4 through 8. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Jesus commanded them, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven? Jesus had already done all of his ministry. He had been crucified buried, he had resurrected from the dead, he'd been uh, speaking to them over the course of the last number of weeks, and this is just before his ascension when he rose up into heaven, and they were saying, it's now the time, uh, 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 Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power, say power. Glory be to God. <clears throat> you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the end of the earth. You know, I talked earlier in the series that we were created to be filled. We are vessels. Our bodies are vessels. Vessels of clay. We're fashioned to contain and the primary thing that we were fashioned to contain is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, Jesus' promise is this, but He says, listen, this is the promise of the Father. This is what the Father has promised His children. How many want, how many want what your Father's promised? You know, if you're a parent and you promise your kids something, you want to deliver, Right? And it's really, we know the emotional impact of kids, if, if a parent doesn't deliver on what they promise. Well, the Father's promised the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has told us about the Holy Spirit coming and fill us. I believe, on the way to church, I was like, I don't think that we have yet seen the church fully arrayed for battle. Alright? I don't think we've yet seen the church fully equipped and, and ready 
uh, for what God has called us. And a big part of that is being filled with His Spirit to the measure that God intends us. Why? Because we need the power. Jesus said, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit and you will receive power unto something. Not just so we can get all powered up, but so that we can be witnesses to the ends of the earth. There's, this power is given for a purpose. And, and, but it is power. And it's the Holy Spirit where vessels meant to contain this, to hold this. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 1 through 5, uh, it continues, the story continues. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, the disciples, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay, there's something, something very important happens here. <laughs> this is what Jesus told them to wait for. And it happens in Jerusalem, just like Jesus said. But the disciples weren't quite ready for it. They didn't know what was going to happen. But we have it recorded here. This is what happened. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is what it looked like. And we even hear, we even have a description of what it sounded like. And there was wind and tongues of fire. And they began to speaking in other tongues. And, and in, in the city at that time, it's very important that we understand this happened on Pentecost, which was one of the primary feasts in the Old Testament. And it was the commemoration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. They celebrated it every year to remember what happened when Moses ascended the mountain and received the Word of God. And he descended the mountain with the law of God, the instructions for the children of Israel of how to live in their identity as in covenant relationship with uh, the Heavenly Father, with uh, Jehovah. All right? Bless you. <laughs> People were sneezing this morning. So... This commemoration, the fact that it happens on Pentecost, you know, it's not just coincidence that this happened on Pentecost. And for Christians, we talk about Pentecost. We talk, to us, it's, it's the commemoration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But for them, it was the commemoration of the giving of the law. And it's significant in that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is actually it's the same celebration in the sense is this is the fulfillment of what was intended by God when he entered into covenant with the uh, people, the descendants of Abraham. He gave them the law, but that wasn't the end. That was to prepare them to receive the, the fullness, which is the Christ who was to come through uh, the children of Abraham and to receive the promise, which is the Spirit. And so it's very significant that just as Moses descended Mount Sinai, the Holy Spirit descends from heaven and, and doesn't just have a tablet of, of words written on stone, but comes in, fills us with His Spirit and writes His Word on our very hearts. And that's what's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. <clears throat> uh, you know, God, 
God wrote the Ten Commandments on, on, on tablets of stone, but they didn't even make it to the bottom of the mountain before all of them were broken. Right? Do you know the story? Moses is walking down. What did he see? All the Israelites were worshiping the, the golden calf, and he threw the tablets down and they broke. I mean, Moses couldn't even make it to the bottom of the mountain and not break the law. Now, the law, it was kind of like God knew it all along. He defined in the law the character, his character that we were to live. But we can't live it just by knowing it. It has to live within us. It was to prepare so that it could be written in our hearts. God's uh, process of redeeming mankind is, is, includes all of human history. And in the end, it will work out. We'll see that God did it perfectly. Right? And so He prepared the way by giving the law, but that led to something fuller, something bigger. And what that is, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a parallel between the giving of the law and the giving of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter six, uh, 7, verse 6, I'm going to read a lot of Scriptures to kind of give you a scriptural basis for this. It says, But now we have been delivered from the law. Paul is talking the comparison between living by the law and living by the Spirit. He says, We've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. It doesn't change the character of God. It changed how we live the character of God. Not by abiding by something outward, something dead, something written on stone, but abiding and living by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. In Romans 8.4, Paul also says that the righteous requirement, and the law is righteous. Everything in the law is righteous. It's righteousness defined. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when we walk empowered by the Spirit, we fulfill all of the righteousness that is required in the law. And it can't be fulfilled apart from that. They tried it. We can't, apart from the Spirit, fulfill the law. So the New Testament Pentecost and that filling of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of this Old Testament celebration of Pentecost. It doesn't replace it. It fulfills it in that the Holy Spirit descends. Jesus promised that the Helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, He says in John 14.26, whom the Father will send in My name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so one of the, the, the works of the Holy Spirit is to teach us you know, just like the law taught us God's ways, now we have it written in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit to teach us uh, um, God's ways and to help us each day living within us. It's also referred to in the prophets in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Ezekiel was one of the greatest prophets in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, and he's prophesying and the word of the Lord comes through him and he says, I will give you speaking. He's actually talking about today. Okay, this is a prophet who prophesied thousands and thousands of years ago about a time that would come. God's promise is that I will give you, I being God, will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. 
Well, that's fulfilled in Pentecost and it's fulfilled in us individually as we encounter Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. I will take the heart of stone, a hardened heart, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And here is not the corrupt carnal meaning of flesh, but a soft, something pliable, something that He can mold. So I will put My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. God understands that we need more than an outward written code of conduct. We need His Spirit dwelling within us that that can enable us and will enable us to walk out His ways, to live as His sons and daughters. And He provides a way through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Glory. Hallelujah. Well, I've been talking about the Holy Spirit for a long time. <laughs> and uh, ever since I got saved, I just, <clears throat> just want to let you know, I didn't have this in my notes, but <clears throat> it might be helpful. I was raised in a Lutheran church, and I went to a Lutheran school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Every day we had memory verses, we had religion class, you know, memorized uh, much of the Bible and, and the Lutheran catechism had chapel every Wednesday and church every Sunday. And, you know, and then the high school, I, so when I was a kid, I, I really had a relationship with God. It, it was genuine, <clears throat> but uh, it didn't go deep enough because once I got to high school, I kind of backslid. And by the time I graduated high school, I was, I was not even a Christian. I was seeking other paths and also see other means <laughs> of enlightenment. There was no light. It was just dark, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <clears throat> and um, and in that in that time, I, I actually, after a couple of years of just stumbling around and getting drunk a lot and using a lot of drugs, I realized I was empty and I started crying out to God. And, and through a series of events, I got saved. Uh, I had a powerful conversion experience. And this man led me to the Lord. He was here a few weeks ago. And, and we were in a church. And... Um, they were all uh, Pentecostal and they were talking in tongues and stuff. And I never experienced that for, for, for months. And they prayed for me many, many times. But I didn't experience the manifestation of speaking in tongues until one day I was, and I wanted it. You know, I believed it. I saw the scriptures. I had all this explained to me and, and I'd studied it thoroughly. And I, I, I'm, I'm grieved that I only have 30 minutes to talk about this. I can talk about this for hours. All right? I can show you tons of scriptures. We can sit all day and I can turn to different scriptures and say, this is the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit. But just in my story, what happened was, in the midst of this, I was open, I received, and there was one experience that was in a men's group. And they all prayed for me. And something happened. It was beyond... I was already saved. All right? I was living radical for Jesus. But I had an encounter that was spiritual in nature. And I literally saw, my eyes were closed when I saw an angel. And I had something downloaded in me. And they actually thought I was (laughs) demon-possessed. It was in the early 80s, and demons, a little bunch of books about demons. So they were all excited about demons. They were casting out demons all over the place. Because I was, I was just, they weren't used to it. It was before Toronto. I was flopping around, and I was, you know, it was... I thought Jesus was in the room. It was, I, thought they were, I thought everybody was experiencing the same thing I was. You know? Then I opened up my eyes and they were all looking at me like... <laughs> Literally. And they were, the, they were the amazing ones. I was just the new kid in the block. Uh, 
And I was drunk. I literally, I know what drunk feels like. I know what stone, you know, especially back then, back in the day. I was, wow. <clears throat> I was buzzing for that whole day, for 24 hours. I was in a different state. I didn't know what happened. But I still didn't speak in tongues. I, had a, I believe that's when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a supernatural encounter. I was drunk. I just didn't, I still wasn't able to do anything. And it was, a few days later, I was in the factory. And they had prayed with me so many times, I was starting to get tired of it. Because <laughs> they were like, you've got to talk in tongues. And so I was in a factory and I said, you know, I know I can do this. I know I have it within me. I believe it. And it was a loud factory, big GM factory. You could talk, you have to yell to talk to the guy next to you. So I said, I can just do it. And right then I started talking to him. And I haven't stopped. And I talk in tongues more than you all. I probably do. Because I talk in tongues all the time. And it's a, a wonderful way to commune with God. And I believe it is a manifestation. It is not the only manifestation. Paul actually says it's one of the least of the gifts. But it's a very important gift. We're going to talk a little bit more about tongues next week. But we have to understand that it is part of the package of receiving the Holy Spirit. Of having Him dwelling within you. And uh, that's what Paul, and that's what Jesus, what the Bible is talking about. It's the fulfillment of what Jesus promised. In Acts 2.14, we learn this. In Acts 2.14, the story continues. Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, now, this was the Holy Spirit come with the tongues of fire. They'd all start speaking in tongues. They were all in a room together in an upper room. There were tens of thousands of uh, 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 believers, of um, practicing Jews in the city there to celebrate one of the main feasts. And he stands up, Peter stands up, raised his voice and said to the crowd that was watching all of these people, uh, up the eleven and the other disciples in the upper room. It says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my word, for these are not drunk <laughs> as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That'd be 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. Now we have to ask, why would Peter say that? Tens of thousands of religious Jews assembled. Holy Spirit shows up. He gets up. And I just want to let you all know that we're not drunk. Like you're thinking. Why would he say that? Because they were acting like they were drunk. Everyone thought they were drunk. If you see somebody on the street and you think they're drunk, why do you think they're drunk? Because they're holding a Bible going on. Does this look like I'm drunk? You ever seen a drunk person do that? <laughs> they were doing whatever they were doing, but it appeared drunk. Okay? And he says, they're not drunk as you suppose. In other words, they could see something that didn't make sense. And Peter stands up and says, this is what it is. What you see in here is the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. And if you read the prophecy, um, this is the thing that the Jews had been waiting for. 
This is, uh, this is from Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It goes on. And so they've been waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, this is what it looks like. Wow. All right. It's the infilling. There's an outpouring of supernatural Power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe there was spiritual drunkenness. I've experienced it myself. I've seen other people experience it. I've been in a place where other people are experiencing it, and I'm thinking, they're just faking it. You know? Yeah, still today. And then it'll hit me. Whoa! You know, you start laughing uncontrollably, weeping uncontrollably, falling over. We're going to talk more about that stuff next week. <laughs> what it's all about. See, those are just the manifestation. Those are just like the, the side effects. <laughs> the point is, this is the film. This is the promise of the Father. And don't you want what your Father promised you? Don't you want to get in on what your Father promised you? What Jesus promised you? Yes, that's the Holy Spirit dwelling within. What does that look like? I tell fundamentalists that I am the most fundamentalist fundamentalist that there is I've ever met. There's, I have yet to meet a fundamentalist that's more fundamental than I am. Because I actually believe exactly what it says. I really do. It's not that I'm ignoring some scriptures thinking that this is appropriate. I'm like, this is what the fulfillment of scripture looks like. People look drunk sometimes. Not all the time. All right, and other things like speaking in tongues. All right, in Acts two thirty three it says, therefore, <clears throat> just P- Peter continues the sermon. This is the end of the sermon. We'll jump to the end. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God. He received the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Father says, "Here you go. You can hand it out. <laughs> Here are the gifts. Hand them out, Jesus." <laughs> he poured out this. The Holy Spirit, which you now which you now see and hear. <clears throat> now, if we were to take this scripture and say, this is a description of what, it, what the pouring out of the Holy Spirit looks like, there has to be something you see and there has to be something you hear, according to this scripture. And you could even postulate that if there's not something visible and something audible, you have to question whether or not it is the fulfillment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Would that be a valid point? Alright? I think it's a valid point. And that's where I don't think that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is merely something that happens inwardly. It does happen inwardly. That's where it goes. Alright? But it's accompanied with signs, the outpouring of power. Dunamis power. And all of the examples that we have in the New Testament that uh, give a description of what it looked like, look like this. And all throughout history. All throughout history. Read history. History of revival throughout the ages. Time and again, people experience the same, same, same stuff. Um, <clears throat> Peter said to them, but this is also part of it. Repent. And let every one of you, this is in verse 38 and 39, be baptized. You know, the word baptized is, is a word that was used to, uh, to fill a jug 
And the way they would do it was immerse it in liquid so that it would be submerged so that it would be filled completely. And so if you had a, a flask and you wanted it filled with water, you just dip the flash, uh, flask underneath the water and all the air would come out and fill up. But it would also get wet on the outside but filled on the inside. It's also used in Greek language. I found it used in a recipe. This is an extra biblical use of the word uh, in the Greek for a recipe. A friend of mine sent me this for how to make pickles. Really, how to pickle something. You know how to pickle something? You ever, uh, I never made pickles, but my mom used to make pickles. <laughs> and you take cucumbers and you stick them in a jar with vinegar and other spices, right? And, and then you... And then you can it and you let it set there for a long time and the and the cucumber takes on the characteristics of that liquid right well that's baptism that's literally what the word means that's how they used it and so we are submerged and infilled with the holy spirit so that we take on so that we taste like the holy spirit <laughs> we sound like the holy spirit we look like the holy spirit Repent, and then this Peter stands up. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is part of it. And this is where a lot of uh, Spirit-filled people who experience the, the infilling, they've missed this part. Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our, the Lord, our God, will call. What a lot of people miss is that we are filled with power to be witnesses. There is a, there's an end. There's a purpose for the infilling, and that's to proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to stand up in front of people and say, repent, change your mind, and receive what you're seeing here. It's for you, it's for your kids, and it's for all who are far off. And that means geographically far off, but in the context, it's for you, your kids, and for all your descendants, as far as it goes. So this, this being what you see in here, is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies that is for all who are to come afterwards. And so I believe it is very biblical from just a biblical standpoint, the exegetical understanding of this, of all of the New Testament, as well as my personal experience, that these things continue. And in fact, it happens to be the experience of at least approximately half of all Christians on planet Earth today. You know, the, the revival, it's called the revival that's never ended. Revival that never ends. <coughs> I was going to change it into the Barney song, but I guess I won't. <laughs> the song that never ends? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, you know, it started in Pentecost in Acts. But there was a season, and, and, and for, for many years, in different times, there'd be particular outpourings and renewings. Of, of the experiences of the Holy Spirit throughout history, but then there'd be long seasons where people became unfamiliar and the uh, things that we see and hear and talk about today, they didn't know of. And to the point where, you know, if, if you've grown up and there's been many generations that have never seen anybody speak in tongues, you, you, would, you wouldn't have a box for it. You wouldn't have a grid for it or, or prophesy. And you just you begin to teach that it doesn't happen anymore. And so that developed over history. And then God would move and restore it. Just like He did when he restored the knowledge that we're saved by grace and that it had fallen, people had lost the understanding of it and he restored that. Now we all accept that. 
Right, we continue to restore and he's restored what it means. It doesn't mean those people didn't have the Holy Spirit, but he's restored what it means to be filled with his spirit and what accompanies that. All right, let's let's move on. <clears throat> so does this happen at conversion or can someone be a believer and not be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's really what it's all about, right? <clears throat> all right. Well, yeah, I received the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Doesn't everybody? Well, let's look at Scripture and see what, what the Bible says about that. 1 Corinthians 12.3, this is Paul uh, writing. He says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So first off, no one can get saved except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Period. All right? But the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, and he works to convince the world of sin, righteousness, righteousness, and judgment to come. And so the Holy Spirit's at work upon every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. I believe that with all my heart. He's already working. And anyone that comes to faith is through the direct interaction with the Holy Spirit. Given. But there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and being drawn by the Holy Spirit to the place of accepting Jesus as Lord. There's this distinction. This is why I say that <clears throat> for many reasons. But one is Acts 8.14. So now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, another city, had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So they heard that, that a whole bunch of people got saved in Samaria. They sent two of the apostles down to minister to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen upon none of them. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these were believers who had been baptized, but had not received the Holy Spirit. Right? This was after the resurrection. This was in the church age. And what did they do? They told them, oh, you received the Holy Spirit already. No, they didn't. They said, then they laid hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Wow. And when Simon, who saw that through the laying on of hands of apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also. Simon was a magician. You can read the whole story. And he made a living, living doing uh, magic tricks, which was actually really common in, in Greek culture, Greek and Roman culture. Uh, and he saw the power and he offered the apostles money. He says, teach me that trick. Now, why would he do that if it looked like this? If the apostles, you know, next one, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's not something you're going to pay money to learn how to do. There was something he saw. I know what it looked like. I've seen it. Right? And it looked like what happened on the, on the, in the upper room. Because he went back and said the same thing that happened to us happened to all these other people. What happened? They were acting like they were drunk. They were talking in tongues. And some of them were weeping. Some of them were laughing. Some of them couldn't move. It's recorded throughout history. What is Tongues. I will talk about that next week. <clears throat> it's in the manifestation of the Spirit. If you want to know, you've got to come back. All right. For, yeah. And there's other manifestations. 
And so here we have an example of someone who believed, were baptized, but had not received the Holy Spirit. With any manifestation. They just had not received the Holy Spirit. Um, and then there's another example in Acts 19, 1 through 6. When Apollos, this is many years later, Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, were they believers? They were disciples. Um, He said to them, this is Paul, "Did did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now listen. If New Testament theology is when you receive, when you confess faith, you automatically receive the Holy Spirit. Paul was speaking nonsense by asking that question. Because Paul said, well, actually, he happened to write most of the New Testament, right? He said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So it's clear here that coming to faith is a separate, distinct, it can happen at the same time. But it can happen separately. The infilling of the Holy Spirit in this way is a separate experience from coming to the place where you repent and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can't repent except by the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about something else, about being filled up with the Holy Spirit in the way that the apostles were. And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. All right, So they were uninformed. Uh, and so what Paul does is that he doesn't say, oh, well, you don't understand. He didn't teach them a theology lesson telling them, oh, you already have the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, into what were you baptized? Into John's baptism. And then he says, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying people, uh, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we have another example, this one a little different, uh, where people received the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't even bring up Peter and Cornelius. When Peter preached to Cornelius, who were Gentiles, they hadn't even accepted Jesus yet. He was preaching to them, and they all start talking in tongues. And they're like, wow, I guess they're saved. <laughs> you know, they'd, they'd been convinced, obviously. They had, they had to have been. They heard what uh, Peter was saying sorry, and uh, re- believed it. And then God poured out the Holy Spirit. And so it continues to this day that there is an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and an overflow of power. And it looks different for different people. You don't have to do it in a way that looks like somebody else. And there are many gifts. Um, I want to share this is important. It really helped me. I know I'm going a little long, but uh, because over the years I've known many people who are genuine Christians, and there's no question that the Holy Spirit is in them. And I know people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. When I meet them, I I can sense the Holy Spirit powerfully, or they have powerful ministry, leading leading many to the Lord and uh, whatever. But they don't except the gifts of the manifestations like tongues and prophecy and, and other manifestations. And so are these people not filled? Or what's going on here? And I think this verse helped me. Maybe it will help you. First uh, Corinthians 14.23 <clears throat> Paul is talking to a church that accepts the gifts. They actually excelled in them to excess. And he's actually saying, you guys are getting a little out of control here. Uh, he didn't tell them to stop speaking in tongues. In fact, he says, don't forbid tongues, but just do it in the right way. 
and, and the other manifestations, prophecy and, and all the different gifts. It says that the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues. And there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> okay. You guys are wacky. <laughs> okay, so there's a number of things we can pull out of this. One is that if everybody's in a room speaking in tongues and someone that comes in who's not a believer or is uninformed about spiritual gifts, the appropriate response would be they are crazy. All right? So it's okay if sometimes you come across crazy. Well, Paul says you're not to always be like that. But tongues is kind of weird. Well, you just got to deal with that. All right? You know, I, it's weird. <laughs> I tell people, it's kind of different. <laughs> you don't learn this in high school, all right? <laughs> it's a spiritual expression of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all right? Let's let's just let's just get, let's stretch your mind a little bit. If 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 the Creator of the universe puts some of Himself in you, do you think you're just going to act the same? My word, I hope something changes, and maybe you'll do miracles, other things that are not within the bounds of. Reason. Because we serve a supernatural God and He wants to put His supernatural Spirit in us so they give us supernatural power. Tongues is the least of these things. Alright. So, there's another thing we can pull out of this verse. There's three categories. There's the people in the church that understood what was going on, but they weren't doing it properly. And He corrects them for it. And then there's unbelievers who don't believe in Jesus. Okay, They're heathen. They're just coming in. Somebody invited him to church. He's showing up because they heard there was a potluck meal afterwards. <clears throat> and then there's the uninformed. Now, the uninformed tells me they're not unbelievers. They're believers, but they don't know what's going on. And so there's a category. I, this helped me a lot in understanding that there's, there are Christians who are uninformed about this part of Christianity. And that's okay. It's okay. In fact, about half the half of the church has yet to experience things the supernatural gifts of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit, and we who have them should not. The biggest problem I've come into or encountered when talking with people of, of other denominations, other types of churches that don't believe in the gifts, is that spirit-filled Christians or charismatic Christians are proud and haughty, and we think we're better Christians, but our behavior doesn't depict it. Right? And so out of humility. They know stuff we don't know. I guarantee it. And I'm a student of them. Alright? I read their books. I go to their conferences. And so it's just some people, they haven't seen that and it's okay. And that's one reason why we need to handle the spiritual gifts in a way that maintains the freedom of the power. This is what God wants to do but still communicates it in a way that they don't run out saying you're crazy. And that's what Paul's whole letter is. So next week we'll talk more in depth about what I, what I believe glossolalia, the, the term tongues means, but also some other stuff uh, that's, that's happening in our day. It's exciting. All right, God bless you. We have some announcements. <clears throat>